Welcome to The Working Ants with me, your host and coach, Rami Balut. I'm going to share with you secrets and strategies you only wish you knew years ago to accelerate your career today. This is practical stuff, no fluff. My mission is to create a new generation of leaders that brings out the best in people. This is where passions and profession yield profitability. Welcome to The Working Ants. Uh, we have an interesting topic of conversation that really stems from a lot of the challenges that many of you, many of my clients have gone through or will go through in probably the next couple of years at most. But for the vast, vast majority of you, this is happening right now. Uh, this is happening right now. It's something that has created a lot of anxiety, I would say, for, for many people. It also creates a, a sense of feeling of not really knowing what to be doing next, a feeling of ageism, a feeling that you know there are others in particular roles and opportunities that can do our role exceptionally well. Obviously, I would argue otherwise. But nevertheless, these are feelings and emotions that exist today. For those of you that are familiar with the public schooling system, I have actually uh, sort of like extracted, played a little, you know, wordsmithing on something that public schools uh, talk about a lot, which is being data rich and information poor, DRIP. If you're familiar with that um, on the public schooling system, uh, we're going to be talking about something very similar, but on the career path, of course, um, and at a level that's, uh, that's quite different than just that. Uh, but really where this stemmed from was some schools, particularly public schools, can be data rich. They can have so much information. They can have the right people. They can have the right sort of knowledge base. But when they say information poor, really what they're meaning here is the tools that they actually have in order to execute accordingly. So they can have the best sort of material, but the, the wrong set of tools to deliver it. So when it comes to our career transition, I sort of put a different take onto that and I called it being data rich and execution poor. So D-R-E-P. So if you ever heard of the term D-R-E-P, you've heard it first here. And that is, you know, it, it really comes down to the progression of our careers, the progression of our careers. And it's extremely important that we talk about this because so many of us will find ourselves interviewing for different careers for different roles, for different opportunities, for different companies. And if we have been at the people leadership level, well, then at that point in time, we may find ourselves in a little bit of trouble in that a lot of mainstream companies are requiring even people at the leadership level to know a granular level of detail, meaning you need to be able to perform the same tasks of the people that you are going to manage. Um, now, irrespective of the fact that you will not be conducting these tasks on a day-to-day -day basis, you still nevertheless must be able to perform them adequately enough in order to do your job effectively. This of course is part of the interview process and this is part of the reason why so many people, so many of my clients, so many individuals find themselves in a very challenging and adverse position because when they are actually performing their interview tests, whether it's a line of code that they have to write or a business case study 
or a particular line item of a particular law or, or category of biology, they must be able to put together some sort of a case that they themselves are able to perform the same tasks of the people that they are going to or expected to to lead. And this causes a lot of frustration. And you know, not that ageism is not real, but a lot of times, you know, I'll have my clients come and tell me, Rami, you know what? It, it's all about my age. It's all about my age. When it partly is about your age, I can, I can, I can, I can certainly give you that. But it's not all about your age. It's also about your ability to be able to gamify, at the very, very least, the interview process. You've got to pass it in a way. And some of you may argue, well, you know what? It's it's not designed for people at my level, at my age. I can't argue with that. I can certainly see a very, very strong point being made there, of course. Nevertheless, we cannot change, you and I cannot change a particular interview, best set of practices that are put in place by particular employers that we are looking to seek our transition towards. So what do we do then? So what, what do we do then? What, what, what's the next step there? Because that's extremely, extremely important that we sort of put things in a perspective so we really don't find ourselves at this, at this level, at this point in time. And um, one thing that I've shared with my one-on-one -on -one clients that have sort of had this sort of adverse um, situation take place uh, was a really nice, you know, no surprise here, quote from Seneca, but it's very stoic based. And this applies for almost every situation here. But one thing sort of to lessen that anxiety, that lessen that worry, uh, lessen that fear of what is yet to come is, is the following. And it is constant misfortune brings this one blessing, this one blessing, constant misfortune brings this one blessing. And I absolutely love it when it's just like one thing, by the way. To whom it always assails, it eventually fortifies. To whom it always assails, it eventually fortifies, which basically means, you know, it's, it's sort of like a version of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but constant misfortune, constant failure, constant adversity, constant no's, getting a no, you know, it, it just brings us one blessing. And I've usually shared with you here on The Working Ant that, you know, it's one step closer to a role that is going to be aligned to us in the future. Well, in this particular case, what it also does, according to Seneca, that's one thing, you know, if we're always being assailed by that no, by that, that blocker, uh, by that wall, it eventually fortifies us and makes us stronger. It makes us stronger. Um, so when we do get rejected, when we do have a no, when we do get ghosted, we don't, you know, panic and say, oh my gosh, what's happening? No one's getting back to me. Um, there's something extremely wrong with, with, with me in general. What, what's going on with me? We all go through this at one point in time during our careers and our career transitions. I'm sure there are plenty of you listening today thinking to yourself, yeah, I remember that time when I was getting passed up for opportunities one after the other. Boom, boom, boom. Bad things did not come in threes, Rami. They came in fives. They came in tens. They came in twenties. For some of you, they came in the hundreds. I get it. And this is all at one period of time. Well, if you find yourself looking for a leadership position and you feel this way, well, it's no wonder. It's no wonder that you know, after so many times of not getting to a yes, that we find ourselves 
feeling a lot stronger. Like it's almost like we've expected this to come, which is which is sad. It's disappointing, but it's also the truth. You know, as we continue to progress and grow in our careers, many of us find ourselves literally data rich, but execution poor. And what I mean by that is we've got a vast amount of knowledge, a vast amount of experience, a vast amount of examples and use cases and scenarios that clearly are indicative of great experience. And yet, for some reason, for so, when it comes down to one particular task, one particular mandate of someone who probably would be an individual we manage, we're just unable to do it as effectively as we once were because we once were individual contributors, right? And we no longer are today. So, you know, as we continue to progress and grow in our careers, we find ourselves really just in management and leadership positions. It's just, it's just natural, right? I mean, essentially what we've done here is we've moved away from an individual contributor role where we were responsible for, for just one particular thing, maybe a subset of things, but, but typically one particular thing, right? One particular task, one particular project or mandate or whatever responsibility here, right? At an individual contributor level. And we find ourselves naturally here in a role of growth of some sort, right? In a role of growth of some sort. And this simply just comes organically. It just simply comes organically. And yet a lot of us fear this growth for this particular reason, to become data rich and execution poor. It's a fear. It's like, I don't want to manage people, Rami. I want to stay in an individual contributor role. You know, I don't want that level of responsibility. Let me specialize in what it is that I do and not have to fear what's going to happen on the other side. You know, when someone comes in and does my role so much more effectively. And it happens. It happens a lot. You know, I, I don't fault anyone for fearing this because in many mergers and acquisitions, in many scenarios where, you know, there has been a reorg, a restructure, it often happens where there will be leaders that have all of these direct reports sort of right underneath them, just stripped away and taken somewhere else. Right? They find themselves isolated. And there'll be other scenarios where, you know what, we're applying for a different role in a different position. And, you know, people don't want necessarily just that leader, but someone with a particular technical expertise had that person, had you not left your individual contributor role, you probably would be able to have specialized in something instead of appearing as a generalist. And we obviously you hear this a lot as well. But for many of us, in fact, for most of the people in my practice, it just means that we've we've grown, we've grown, we've organically grown, uh, we've organically grown as a result of our hard work, as a result of a job well done, as a result of our aspirations, but even just the progression of time. We've actually just grown, we've grown, we've been given more responsibility. And if we've done a great job and our company's done a great job, well, then the company's actually grown. And that means teams need to be created. That means organizational design needs to, needs to take precedence over a lot of other things as well. And so it's no wonder that we continue to just grow in our careers, but then we find ourselves in a management role, a leadership role uh, in some capacity. And at some point in time, it's an inevitability. We need to move on. We need to move on. We need to transition into another career or in, into another company 
at the very, very least, at the very, very least. So we find ourselves at some point in time applying for a role or interviewing for a role where we are now in a much higher position than we were originally when we joined the company that we had just left or trying to transition out from, right? We have a larger scope. We have a larger mandate. We have more impact. We have more influence. We are operating under our own charter, for example, right? And we've, many of us, have just just become people leaders. We're managing. We're managing other people. We're managing other people. And so what? That's wonderful. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. That's a wonderful way for us to grow. We manage a group of people that once did what we did, right? At a singular level, at a granular level, and we become responsible for making decisions. We simply just become responsible for making decisions, and you know. It's just not enough when we talk through the decisions that we've made, whether on paper or informally um, or even formally at times, that just are indicative of the great work that we've done. Even if we've spearheaded campaigns, even if it's the personalization and quantification of our contributions as a result of the decisions that we've made, right, many of times, it's not us who have done the work. It's our team. It's our team. We may have been the face of that team. We may have operated cross-functionally and cross-organizationally to get things done. We may have hired the right people to do it for us. But essentially, we were not the ones rolling up our sleeves and doing granular tasks. And why should we? And why should we? People need leaders. People need management. And so... What happens then? What happens then when we are actually applying for a new role? What do we do then? Do we just talk about the decisions that we've made? That's not enough. You know, at least at least today it's not enough, especially in companies where it's extremely competitive and extremely, extremely challenging to even just get a single sourcing call over your basic fundamental qualities, over whether or not a recruiter will speak with you. Well, we need to do things differently. We need to do things differently in order to acquire those opportunities because we deserve it. And yes, and we are absolutely freaking worth it. So what happens when we can solution, but we have left it to others to solve? Again, so it's a great question here. What happens when we can solution, but we have left it to others to solve? Because we can solution. We can't solution. We could talk about what needs to be done, but we leave it to others to solve for, right? We leave it to others to solve for. I'm going to get someone from my team to help you out. You know what? A member of my staff will contact you tomorrow morning. Let me just make sure I understood what it is you're asking for. I've got a group of specialists on my team that I can assign to your request. You've got something that, that needs my attention. Let me have a call with you and a member of my team where we can understand what it is that your pain is, and I'll make sure to follow up and ensure that we actually get that solved for. And so this happens all the time. Why, why would we be surprised about this? Why would we shun something like this? It happens. We grow. We manage a team like this, you know, and so it's a wonderful thing. It's an absolutely wonderful thing. Growth is a beautiful thing. 
Aging is a beautiful thing in our careers. Maturing in our professional careers is a wonderful thing. You know, we need to show growth. We need to show growth. It's like, you know, a business that is not growing, for example. I mean, what, what happens there? It can only can stay flat for so long until it becomes irrelevant. It's the same thing when it comes to our careers. We can only be doing something for so long, right, until it either becomes irrelevant or we've actually specialized it in, in it enough that it's so hard for us to get out of it, right? It's so hard for us to get out of it if we specialize it enough. And even if we have specialized it enough, chances are it's evolved so much over time that we are unaware of different circumstances that have affected and impacted it in some way so that when we describe what we do, we are not in the know. We don't sound as compelling as we should be, even if we specialize in a particular field. So what do we do? What do we do in cases like this? Because I swear it comes up so often where it's like, Rami, I just keep getting passed up for these interviews. I don't know what it is that is going on. And you know what? I am being asked to do these granular tasks, these, these lines of code, these business case studies, these use cases that I have to put together in order to showcase whether or not I am actually eligible for an opportunity like this. Do they not see my resume? Do they not see my LinkedIn profile? Have they not seen all of this career progression that has taken place where I have landed a management and a leadership position that is not focused on the granular? It's focused on the solutions, but it's not focused on solving. I'm not solving for it. I'm getting my team to solve for it. I understand the technology. I understand the solution, what needs to be done. I understand the process itself, but I'm not the one executing on that process. I'm not the one executing on the process, but I'm the one creating the policy. I'm the one who's creating the policy. How many of you have felt that way? How many of you have felt that way? I can, I can guarantee most of you that have reached a level of maturity in your careers where you have become a people leader of some sort, you have felt this way. And so what do we need to do? How are we going to solution this over our call? <laughs> How are we going to solution this over our time together? How are we going to solution this today? What do I want you to focus on? What do I want you to keep top of mind? Because even if you are comfortable today in your role, I still want you to be able to entertain opportunities irrespective of whether or not we are going to sign on the dotted line and make that career transition. It means we're going to be interviewing. It means we're going to be having conversations with people in the industry. It means that we need to really ensure that, number one, we and what it is that we do are actually relevant to what's going on today. So number one, we need to be relevant. We need to stay relevant. And I'm not talking about our personal individual relevance in our company in today, but I'm talking about our relevancy as a role, as a scope, as, as from, from the lens of a hiring manager or a recruiter for another position, what it is that we do today is relevant in some way. What it is that we do today is relevant in some way. And this could be impacting a business bottom line, which definitely is my humble opinion, the gold mine, when we actually directly are impacting a business. Um, if we can quantify what that actually means, it could be process efficiency, it could be diversifying channels of revenue, it could be increasing 
uh, transactional value. It could be increasing customer lifetime value. If we can actually quantify the relevancy of what it is that we do today from the lens of someone who is going to be hiring us, well, then we know for sure what we're doing is in fact going to be something that is secure for the future in some way, because this is just a, a piece of it becoming being relevant, right? And for those of you, of course, you don't need me to tell you this, and this is why we're not focusing on it, but you need to stay relevant in, in your job, right? And your, in, in your role, whatever that may look like. We may get into just a little bit of that today, but my focus isn't on, on how to stay relevant in your job in particular today. I'll give you a couple of examples in a couple of minutes, but generally speaking here, I'm speaking about your role being relevant, what you do being relevant. I'll give you a very, very great example, you know, with, with COVID-19, of course, right? So a lot of people in the medical field really did not have experience with a pandemic, right? They did not have experience with a pandemic. And some of my clients, because of the fact that they did not have experience in a pandemic, even though they were extremely qualified, lost out on candidates that actually had experience with like the bird flu, SARS, this, this sort of thing, right? So having that sense of relevancy, of course, anyone now that has gone through anything having to do with a pandemic, or if you're in the biology field, medical field, medical practice, and I've dealt with like COVID, for example, that of course is going to be a very, very prized role in the future. In fact, I have one of my clients who deliberately took a pay cut because she wanted to actually take a role where she would study the effects of, of COVID-19. And so it's no wonder that we chose to go that direction. It's because we wanted to ensure that what we did was relevant. Very, very tough question, but an essential question to actually ask about the relevancy of what it is that we do. And this may come in mind, if this comes to mind right now, and that you think, okay, so Rami, anyone can do what I do but they can do it the way I do it, that's a, that's a form of relevancy as well. That's a form of relevancy as well. It may require additional information and context in a conversation, but that's also a form of relevance, relevancy as well and one that we do not want to, to overlook, okay? So how can we move on from here? Number two, I wanna talk about value, the value that you actually add. A lot of us are really having a difficult time really just putting our thumb on the pulse of the value that we're actually adding. And so what we, we, we do is we find ourselves, you know, very data rich in what's been going on in our company, you know, sort of like the details of, of processes that take place, activities that take place, use cases that take place, but we have a lack of the execution side of things. And so we don't really know what sort of value we're actually adding. And so here, I want you to be able to, at the very, very minimum, keep a some sort of, of documentation here over the value that you actually add. And, and this is very, very important. So if, if you're making a career transition or have recently made a career transition, I want you to at least ensure that you write down all the value that, that you've actually added in your previous position, because that's going to come up at some point in time. And you don't need me to tell you this, but you know, for number two on the value side of things, we need to ensure we are adding more value than anybody else in our field, than anybody else. And so, because at one point in time, we are going to virtually meet, literally virtually meet somebody on the other side who's doing the same exact thing that actually chose to hyper-focus on the value that they were actually adding. And not just in particular to their team, but to their organization. And not just in particular to the organization, 
but in particular to the company itself. That one person was able to take one thing and scale it across different industries, maybe different countries, that sort of value. Really coming up with compelling reasons of how it is that we've actually added value more than anybody else, more than our competition, more than our competition. And what I've told my clients before here, what we've suggested we've put into practice was if we did not acquire this opportunity and it went to somebody else from a competitor in a particular position, in a particular position that is almost exactly the position that we were in today, what is that distinguishing factor? What would be the reasons why we did not acquire this position? So if we were writing an article one day, about why it is that we did not acquire this role that we aspire towards, what would be those reasons? And we have to come up with reasons. What would be those reasons? And this is practiced many, many ways and in, in different ways, but I, I, I love this because it really sort of ensures that we are looking at the other side. We have failed because of these reasons. What are those reasons? Okay, another one here that is big, and I'm gonna start moving this into the internal side of things. Is, is communication, is communication. When we are forcing ourselves to write up some sort of an executive summary, some sort of a report, some sort of a visualization on the portfolio that we are actually serving, mandate, whatever it is, when we are actually creating this for ourselves, even if it's not required, and we are sending this out to senior leadership or even just sending this out to our team, that sort of communication that we're actually putting out really structures the level of value that we're actually giving, really structures the level of value that we're actually giving. So if we are in a position today where we are not required to send out an executive summary or a report of some kind, I want you to consider creating one for yourself, generating one for yourself, some sort of a report, some sort of an analysis, something you can actually share internally or for those of you that are you know, are operating as independent consultants, for example, something that you can send over to your clients or prospective clients, right, that keeps them in the know of something that you sort of have, have gathered, synthesized, deciphered in some way, right? You've seen some patterns that you wanted to share and you actually, and, and you do share them in the form of a report. So, so that is something here that is extremely important as well. Communication. You know, I want you to be able to communicate and then by that communication, ask yourself what it is you're associating yourself with through that communication. So if I'm going to think of somebody, if I'm going to think of somebody, let's just say I'm going to think of Beth, for example, and I'm going to think of Beth's association with what it is that she is sending out, I want to ensure that Beth has that association of something positive, something extremely valuable with what it is that she is sending, no matter what that's going to be right? For anybody else, right? This could be, this could be Adam, this could be Elena, this could be Caroline, this could be Michael, could be anybody, right? But know, know for a fact here, know for a fact here that what you're going to be communicating is going to be an association. So I'm going to think of any one of you, right? Any one of you today in any capacity, there's a certain association that's going to be associated with us, a certain association that's going to be associated with us. How does that sound? There's going to be a certain association that's going to be part of us, right? A, a, a piece of us, right? Some, some form of association that's there. And so I want to make sure that what you are communicating is just that. I've had actually clients here that are on the leadership side of things. Now, when we actually went into the details 
of what it was that they were communicating, putting this into practice. It wasn't solutions. It was problems, problems after problems, highlighting and hyper-focusing on very relevant things that could be red flags to an organization, but never went above and beyond to ensure that we're actually, we're solutioning, we're providing alternatives, a step forward, right? And so what would happen then? The association of that person wasn't one of leadership and management. It was more of like, okay, this person is someone who's going to send me something hyper-focusing on the gaps. And that may be extremely important, by the way. If your role requires that and that's something compelling in nature, fabulous, amazing, you're on the right path. But for the majority of people, it's not just the problems, it's the solution. It's a solution. You know, and this is really where intelligent risk-taking comes in. We've got to be able to talk through, present some sort of an alternative. That's really where, you know, we need to understand the, the granularity of things, right? And so we shouldn't shy away from that. If you're finding yourself shying away from that level of granularity, well, you know, get yourself involved more with that granularity. I think it's important that you'd be well served to do so. Another thing here on the internal side of things, you know, shadow your team, shadow your team, right? But don't operate in the shadows. Shadow your team or shadow individual members of your team, but don't operate in the shadows. And so for number four, that's exactly what this is. I want you to be able to shadow your team. I want you to be able to understand with a certain level of granularity how things get done from someone who's specialized on your team. I think you'd be well served to know that information, but don't operate in the shadows. So while we want to empower our team to do some really, really great work, we need to put ourselves out there. There's gotta be certain balance here with us putting ourselves out there. So think about, for example, going on a roadshow of some sort within your own organization or a roadshow of some sort that you could present in a future conversation with a hiring manager or a recruiter. What would that roadshow be? What would you talk about then? And then, you know, be in a situation where you can field some questions that then require a knowledge of that level of granularity. So it's great to shadow our team to understand like how they actually perform, right? But we don't want to operate in the shadows ourselves. We want to be able to step into the light, right? Be able to host meetings, be a part of committees. For example, creating a roadshow of some sort, a particular day that's dedicated to what it is that we do. And we want to be able to communicate that out to other people in the organization and leadership. And yes, this also does involve things externally. You could be sharing this information, of course, if it's not confidential, publicly, like on LinkedIn. You can be writing articles about what you've been learning thus far. I want you to be able to understand that, you know, it's great to be amazing people leaders. It's wonderful. But, you know, shadowing our team to learn a level of granularity that's required for the future is not enough. So shadow your team again, but do not operate in the shadows. And then lastly here, what I'd like you to do as number five is pick or create an individual contributing role for yourself in your leadership capacity. Pick an IC role for yourself. If you're a manager or you're a leader, pick an individual contributing role for yourself that is separate from what it is that you do. It could be 20% of what it is that you're doing. Think about an area that you would be an individual contributor for, something that requires some level of specialization. 
and think about how that level of specialization is aligned then with what it is that we want to be doing in the future as well. So pick wisely here, pick wisely and create something wisely. And a lot of my clients will say, Rami, you know what? I've had so much difficulty like getting this approved. You know, like how can my director, my VP, my CTO, my, my chief people officer approve that I'm actually working as an individual contributor for something else? Well, in this case, I'll say, you know, tie it to the right things, sell it in the right way, and you will actually get that approved. There is no way that we wouldn't be able to sell something impactful to an organization on an individual contributing level that we then feel very strongly about. And someone come and tell us, you know what? No, you're not going to be doing this. I'm, I'm, where I know it will come in is, you know what, if, if you can handle everything else and you want to do this too, and you've been doing such a great job, you've got my blessings, do it. But please do pick uh, and cr or create an individual contributing role for yourself and your leadership capacity. Okay. And why are we doing all this again? So wh wh why all of these things? Why relevancy? Why value? Why communication? Why, why shadowing our team but not operating in the shadows? And why, why picking and creating an individual contributing role for ourselves? Well, you know, because we're going to interview at some point in time, right? And we want to be able to speak with a level of granularity. In fact, in the interview process, we want to be able to ask the interviewer if we'd like to go into a level of granularity, if they'd like more detail um, instead of just context, right? So these details, we have to ask ourselves, what are those details? What will we, be, will we be asked? For some, it just means you've got to like interview, even if you actually don't plan on leaving your company. Find out what those things are, right? You know, at the hiring level, you know, people, people truly love a level of detail, a level of detail and understanding. And, you know, we can't change the interview process for so many of these companies, but we can at least start ensuring that we're planting the seeds so that when that time does come, because again, it is an inevitability, we will be so much more prepared. So, you know, if we think back on why so many of us have been passed up at times, sometimes it's just because of this, it's just because of this. You know, we need to show a level of consistency here in the way we present ourselves for a future opportunity. But that level of consistency has a level of, of, of critical granularity that we need to be able to, to drip into the conversation. Right. And at least tease in some way uh, so that we can actually get someone on the other side to ask us for some more details. So we actually cover a larger space here. Not only are we great leaders, not only are we great people leaders and managers, right, but we actually have a level of detailed understanding of our craft. And that is that is the pride and quality of our craft. And I know it's easier said than done, but we've got to start somewhere got to start somewhere because if we don't, if we don't, well, we're just taking a little bit of a risk. You know, when we continue to, to mature professionally in our careers, this is also where, you know, we need to ensure that we've got our bases covered here. We've got our bases covered for something even greater for us in the future, something greater that you deserve. If you've gotten this far in my podcast, I'm hoping that means that you love my coaching content. If you'd like to continue the journey with me on a much deeper personal and immersive level, please visit my website at ramibalut.com and schedule a 45-minute Real Talk session with me. You can also enroll my online program at theworkingant.com and join me for five months of weekly live group coaching where you can ask me your questions live in a group coaching setting. Use code PODCAST for an incredible discount at checkout. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Your career fulfillment is so important to me. 
You deserve nothing less than that. I truly hope you take what we talked about today and use it deliberately, practically, and strategically to accelerate your next career transition, conversation, or simply just to nourish your personal and professional life. If you'd like to receive periodic content from me, please visit RamiBalut.com and register for my mailing list by signing up to receive your free ebook, which by the way, is an awesome ebook, if I may say. Until next time, this is your host and coach, Rami Balut, signing off for today's podcast on The Working At. Remember, if not you, then who? If not now, then when?